Views and opinions expressed on this platform are of me, myself, and I, not any agency I'm affiliated with. So please do not take what I say personally. Today, I have the very distinct honor of having on Dr. Laura Purdy, who, I mean, she's done so many incredible things. And I'm just going to go ahead and let her tell her story because, like, one of my friends, Riley, he has a podcast called If Anyone Cares. Highly recommend it. You should go follow it. But on one of his episodes, um, he had on Dr. Purdy. And Dr. Purdy, it is obvious you've done so many amazing things. And, like, most people only do a fraction of what you've accomplished and your path to this role that you're in. It's incredible. So please give us like a glimpse of your pathway into this position that you're involved in, why you got into the job, what drew you in, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, Alexis, I'm just, I'm so happy to be here. Truly. I'm humbled. It's an honor getting to spend time with you and hear about what you're doing and the mission that you're bringing out into the world. I think we are so aligned and I'm very just, I'm honored to be here to talk about what I do and, and how I do and, and why I do it. I think that the, the best way to summarize it is that I, I want to change the world. I want to change specifically the way that we think about and the way that we experience the modern delivery of healthcare. So I've been heavily involved in telemedicine and the digital health revolution. I consider myself to be one of the leaders of the movement. And there's so much that comes underneath that. There is expanding access to technology. There is raising the bar for how physicians should and other providers should interact with their patients being our best selves. There is also self-care and preventing burnout and alternative clinical careers for clinicians and doing better with education to people and um, helping the laws change to support all of these endeavors and like one of the things we talked about when we met the first time um empowering people of different licenses to be able to work at the top of that license and not assuming that everything should should end begin and end with physicians i mean there's just so much there's so much but how did i get involved with it i would say by accident i was just it all started with honestly just needing to make more money so I could put my kids in school and I think I have at my core um, a bit of a a bit of an activist and a lot of a businesswoman <laughs> inside of me and both of those things kind of got activated as I saw working in the the digital health space that there's so much room for change and not only should it change, but it must, it must change. Things must change and change isn't going to drive itself. We have to drive the change. So that's a, maybe a long winded, vague answer to your fairly direct question, but <laughs> that's the overall gist of, of how and why it's all happened. No, I love what you said about the change. And that's like, 
one of the aspects of like what I'm involved in is EMS and what a lot of the listeners are involved in. Um, but EMS is a fairly new part of the healthcare system um, compared to like eons and eons of like the anatomy, physiology, looking at the human body, whatnot. But it's definitely one that's changed over time and continues to change. And I agree, like if you can't get behind the idea that we need to change what we're doing and how we're doing it, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but get off the bandwagon, like, because people need different things. And that's a lot of what I want to focus on today is at the core of what we do, it's people. It is taking care of people, providing for their needs and whatnot, whether it's for our own selves, like you said, with like the mental health aspect or like the health aspect of taking, like I said, taking care of people, but absolutely 100%. So um, what I want to also focus on is the telehealth aspect of what you do. And my first question is for the listeners and myself, to be completely honest, how does telehealth differ from just like making an appointment and going to a doctor's office? Not much. So at its core, it's fundamentally the same. You're, you're making an appointment and you're going to the doctor's office, but it's the location of the doctor's office that changes. The office is wherever that interaction is taking place and it's through the means of technology. So you and I, we're having we're having an appointment right now, but we're doing it over Skype technically. <laughs> and if you were a patient and I was your doctor, it would be just like this, whether it's phone, video, chat. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that it happens now as technology becomes more diverse, but that that is telehealth. So a lot of the companies that exist for telehealth, they exist to create a medium to connect the doctors with their patients. And, but functionally, the the way that the encounter takes place, it's not much different aside from the fact that there isn't really laying of hands. But even today, we have the ability to do things like order labs and there's smart devices so we can get vital signs and we can get some of that objective data that we normally wouldn't have access to necessarily through developments in technology. 100%. And I feel like this kind of started to really gain trajectory through like the COVID 2019 pandemic. And I mean, still today pandemic, if you want, without the quarantine and the craziness, being able to like meet patients where they are and you don't have to come into the doctor's office for X, Y, Z, but we can meet you where you are. And I mean, there are some people who literally cannot make it physically to a doctor's office. Does that make sense? Correct. Yeah. I mean, we see that a lot all the time. People physically cannot, I can't make it to the doctor's office half the time. I use telemedicine, you know, um, but yeah, we see that quite a bit. And that's actually been one of the primary drivers, I think, or catalysts for change is that when people were put in a position where they couldn't go to the office, the natural extension of that was let's find other ways to meet. And that's how we did it was through technology. So paired with technology and like we said, the changes and the more than changes, the advancements in the healthcare industry, what would you say if you could pinpoint 
uh, if you can, like your role in the healthcare community, because like from what I understand and what we've talked about, telehealth focuses on the importance of giving one-on-one care versus what we see as an EMS in the ER, it's a ratio of one doctor for every five patients or more so per nurse, or like their primary care physician who can only spend 10 to 15 minutes with the patient, then refers to the patient to other specialized doctors. And these patients get sucked into this vortex of other doctors and specialists. So like, is your goal to mitigate or is it more of an aspect of being a puzzle piece in this process? I would say all of the above, honestly. I try not to pigeonhole because I am such a strong believer in innovation and change and continually evolving the status quo to be what 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 is the next thing? What is the future? How does this grow? What does it look like tomorrow? And is it going to be different from today? And I would argue that, yes, we should always be growing and changing because that's that's, that's how society, that's how our world works. Things are always growing and changing. And so I try not to pigeonhole because every company, so a lot of what I do is work with businesses. I work with companies to help them develop solutions to how for how to make their offering, whatever sort of digital health offering it is that they have, successful. And for some of them, like mental health, for example, that might be the sole place where the patient is getting their mental health care because it's just talking and you can do prescriptions. Um, but there there might be other specialties where it is more of a puzzle piece or an adjunctive therapy or a way to siphon off some of the stuff that doesn't necessarily have to be seen in office because there will always be a need to do certain things in office, especially when a big physical exam is required or procedures or surgeries or things like that. We're not going to be able to funnel everything into the digital realm, but I do think that telemedicine and virtual health presents a great way to start to unburden our, you know, clinicians that are slugging it out in the hospital, in the clinic, in the ER. (laughs) And everything in between. Yes. So, like, with the model of community medical attention through the industry of community paramedicine, it can be beneficial to stand in the gap for patients, you know, quote unquote, beyond the call, beyond the dialing of 911. So, such as being there to mitigate the process. And as the community coordination model works to connect patients to a primary care physician, a telehealth, and the many other social and medical services provided. So like for EMS, it's through community paramedicine where the focus is on providing and connecting patients, meeting them where they are, and then further contacting a telehealth doctor to provide, I mean, many things. You got primary care services, you got post-hospital follow-up care and instructions, you got like directing the non-emergent calls that truly do not require an ambulance and being able to still help those patients who in some cases they only need a prescription versus go into the ER and urgent care clinic and overall like providing education and health promotion programs. So how would you say that we can bridge the gap between paramedicine and telehealth? Because like in essence, both are geared in not only the healthcare aspects of teaming individuals with the necessary continuation of their needs, 
but also in providing a connection in healthcare for their specific ailments designed for their specific needs. So the, all of that to ask, um, how can we work to connect the model of telehealth professionals and this broad new field of the community paramedicine model? I, well, I have to tell you, I'm, I am fascinated by the community paramedicine model because fundamentally one of my core beliefs is that as it pertains to, um, you know, the, the field of healthcare right now is that we should be looking at expanded scope of all kinds of different specialists, paramedics being one of them, pharmacists being another, physical therapists being another. I don't, I feel like we're unnecessarily limiting people in these particular specialties who could be doing more to solve the access to care problem. And I think that as of right now, I don't, I don't know enough about how it would work and what it would look like and, you know, how those community paramedicine interactions would work because I don't want to be overly limited in the way that I'm thinking about it either. But what I can say is this. There's got to be some room for growth and there's got to be some room for flexibility because as a paramedic, when you are seeing patients in the emergency setting, you don't have to call a doctor and ask permission or get sign off on every single little thing that you do. You don't. There's no time for that. I mean, people are people are dying. People are having emergencies. People are in traumas and burns and overdoses and uh, all you know, life-threatening you know, MIs and strokes. And time time is heart and time is brain and time is life. And you don't really have the time to pick up the phone and say, "Hello, doctor. May I have permission to run a code on this patient right now?" And I and I think that as we venture into the world of community paramedicine, I want to make sure that we don't deviate from that too much. I don't want for us to start minimizing or pigeonholing or unnecessarily limiting the people like the paramedics who literally do nothing but save lives all day every day. I would hate to take away some of that autonomy and ability to have decision making as we move into the community paramedic um, paramedicine world. So I think that there will be an element of phone triage or phone conversations or even you know prescriptions or medications and i'm sure that eventually a doctor or a physician or in some states a nurse practitioner maybe i don't want to limit i don't want to limit this thought process but i do think that i'm sure there will be someone with that different level licensure who is and who has prescriptive authority you know to help with some of that but exactly what it looks like I mean, I think we get to dream that, don't we? It's it's exciting. Absolutely. And kind of kind of like you're saying, like together with telehealth and our paramedic model and you know, EMS as a whole and this field of community paramedicine, like these are vital aspects of the medical of the medical community because at the core, community health medicine, what we what we all work in, as a whole, it can stand in the gap where someone is teaching these patients their discharge instructions or managing their own medications or where it matters in EMS, it's mitigating the necessity of an ambulance based on provider's discretion in the field and from a medical direction and being able to say like, hey, 
this this thing you're dealing with this you know this infection if if you don't want to go to the hospital we can give you a prescription or we can start an IV and give you some fluids if you don't want to go to the hospital kind of standing in the gap for those patients as well versus well if you don't want to go to the hospital bye so like in your opinion what would be the trajectory of healthcare in these models and like what would you want to see in the future for your field and for us and what all we can do to implement the change hmm walk me walk me through your vision again of of how how you could make it like if you could wave a magic wand and tomorrow the thing that you want came into existence for your profession and for the people that you work with what how does it how does it look in your mind for me it's having ems as not just you call 911 you get a, you get a couple of paramedics and you have to go to the hospital with this because some of the patients we interact with we get there and they're like i don't really want to go to the hospital but in your opinion what do you think and we can't we can't tell people and this is what people understand we can't tell people no you don't need to go to the hospital because partially it's, well, if we say that, then we could get, there's a liability aspect or it's the aspect of like, if, I mean, to be quite frank, if you go to the hospital via Ambulamp, then we get a bill for it and that's how we get paid. Okay. So it, it's a little corrupt, but I mean, that's at, besides the liability and that's not helping patients. So having the aspect of community paramedicine we have that ability to go out to help people to find them where they're at if you know Mima who has an infection and sh she's not septic yet but she doesn't want to go to the hospital because if she goes to the ER it's the risk of she could be put in a nursing home or it takes away that independence that elderly people and I mean not just elderly people myself included that independence of well I want to make my own decisions if I go in I can't do that so meeting them where they're at, finding out their needs, contacting a telehealth or medical director, somebody, and just like meeting them where they're at, giving them those needs and not overcrowding the ER or just having to leave and tell them like, well, follow up with your primary care physician if they even have one or telling them like, if you don't go with us, find somebody who can drive you because that's not always the case. That's not always feasible. Wow. What a problem set. Huh? That's I mean, that's it's fascinating to hear about these um, these situations, right, that are affecting different different facets of the same industry because we all work in healthcare. But these are your problem sets that you're dealing with. And I, I agree with you. There needs to be a way to meet these people where they're at, make sure that they get taken care of and not um what can i say dismiss them or take advantage of the system because you need to get paid er's should absolutely be a resource that we use judiciously and so yeah i, I mean it could look like a telemedicine visit there are some i would say freelance sort of companies that are not affiliated with hospitals that are trying to attack that problem set right now where they'll send like in you know a medic or an emt to your house and 
you receive a consultation, they call a provider, and then maybe a prescription is put in electronically. I, I think that is a very viable way that 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 could get attacked. But then, of course, you have to think, right? Okay, so then how do you get paid if you're not doing the ambulance ride, right? There still has to be a way for you know you guys to get compensated for that and so you'd have to look at what are the reimbursement models and how do you how do you take the idea and turn it into a business because ultimately it is a business right but i do think that that somewhere in there lies the opportunity to be able to draw in someone whether it's a physician or a pa or an mp who has the legal authority to practice medicine and make medical decisions so that that patient gets some kind of care that's not dismissed and also not inappropriately drugged to the ER. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. I mean, it all goes back to the aspect of no matter what it is, no matter who it is, our job is to take care of people. It's not just to it's not just to take the call, take that appointment and push these people onto somebody else, but it's to, through assessments, through listening to patients, through X, Y, Z, taking care of them. And that's the core of what we do, but also kind of to highlight what you said about the burnout. Like I'm not a doctor. I don't think I'll ever be a doctor. Uh, I highly respect anybody who can, I cannot. Um, but it's, it's easy. I would imagine it's easy to fall into that that vortex more or less of like here's another patient let me listen to them let me write them a script or let me send them off to somebody else and then you have to move on to the next one especially in family medicine um from what i've heard you have to have your own practice to basically make any money and that's i mean that's distressing because then you got one doctor for every god knows how many patients yep or you have to go into telemedicine <laughs> And a lot of us are doing that. A lot of us are because you don't have the overhead and you don't have the time constraints that you do in the clinic, but it allows you to kind of find a happy medium between finding your own balance and still getting the opportunity to take care of patients, which is what we all signed up to do, right? So yeah, it is a grind. It is definitely a grind, but at the end of the day, we all have the same goal. And I think some of our mentalities about how to achieve that goal, which is ultimately take care of patients. Some of our mentalities about the how to do that are a little outdated and archaic, and they're not keeping up with technological developments and how society is advancing. And, and so I do think there, there will be a future where we start to see some of these things that you and I are dreaming about right now coming to life and being made a reality. And as they are, it'll be It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see the, the new creative ways that we reinvigorate the the industry. Because if you're not changing, you're staying stagnant. Right. You're 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 you've already lost in my mind. The the moment that I become inflexible, I'm very close to becoming irrelevant and then I'm ineffective. And that isn't just for me. I perceive that to, to be for everyone. So many people, um, business people and doctors and healthcare practitioners and people in other industries, when we lose our ability to adapt, change, move forward and innovate, 
we become stagnant and we lose our effectiveness. So we owe it to the patients to have this pursuit of change, because if we're not pursuing change, then we're not doing them any good, right? Because they are changing. The world is changing. Society is changing. Technology is changing. And we, we have to either be there for it or we will get left behind. 100%. I don't have anything to add to that because that was spot on. That was absolutely <laughs> spot on. That's how I feel. That's that's the way I view the world, Alexis, and, and I hope to live that out every day. <laughs> we stand it. Um, <laughs> no, but kind of like I told you, um, where I fell in love with the idea of community paramedicine was a TED talk I listened to and shame on me. I cannot think of the title. I'll drop it in the show notes whenever I eventually find it. But it was this guy who he became a paramedic and his first shift, he ran so many cool calls and had a code where some like a cardiac arrest. And then he did five other cool things. And then there wasn't, there was a wreck and like, it was a, it was a shift that like, people don't experience and it was things that most people like experience maybe one time in their entire career in EMS so like he went from that to they had a frequent flyer and if nobody knows what a frequent flyer is I've said it a couple of times it is it's a derogatory term but it's the best way to describe somebody who they call several times and they we all know even their social security number by heart. We know their exact medical history because we've run on them so many times. But he was put in charge of basically like finding these frequent flyers and going to them and asking them like, hey, like what's wrong? You know, what what can we do to best help you? And there was this one lady, she called all the time. But every time that she would call, she was actually sick. So he went to her house and he asked her, like, what what can we do? And this lasted for like a couple of weeks until finally he realized, like, she can't read. She could not read. And so all of these medications that every ER doctor would prescribe because and it's not a jab at the ER. It's not a jab at these doctors. They have to start from ground level zero. They have to start at, well, let's let's kind of weave through and comb through like what's going on at this exact moment let's run these tests all right here's some here's some discharge instructions here's some medication that'll help blah 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 and sometimes they don't always look back at what other people have prescribed they don't look back at what's already been done so this precious little lady she had all of these medications and some of them were the same medications and some of them counteracted the other ones so he asked her like show me how you take your medicine and she literally went through each bottle and took one of each. And she was like, I think this is how I'm supposed to do it. And he had to tell her like, no, this is not how. And he showed her like, take these during the day, take these at night. Don't take these contacted a doctor and the doctor approved it. And I don't think she ever called back. So like for me, it's as much as I love running calls, as much as I love the quote unquote saving lives and whatnot, it is literally teaching people the basic care that a lot of us take for granted. And I feel like if that's mitigated, I feel like if that's taken care of on a personal level, I mean, it, it could be something that's so small, but 
could be life-saving in the long run. Wow, I mean, that that is a beautiful story, actually. And it just goes to show you that there is so, there is so much good to do. And it's not always the good that we might think it is. And I think that is a, I mean, that right there could be a whole business model of providing direct-to-consumer in-home education, right? There's a massive education gap. And I don't know how much of that is due to illiteracy, but even patients who are literate, a lot of times they don't understand. And even if you tell them, they still don't understand because they're, they are not, they're not in the healthcare industry, right? They're just, they're lay people who are coming to us for help. They're sick. They're not feeling their best selves. And they rely on us to deliver for them. And so I agree with you. I think that's a, that's a beautiful story. And I'm sure there are examples like that all over the country where people like you can give help like that. I mean, at the core, it wouldn't be possible without the higher up doctors who, as much as we're like an extension of a medical director and a doctor, um, we couldn't do it without you guys. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of in part thanks to you guys too. Unbelievable. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, that's just such a beautiful story. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of what I, after I listened to it, I was like, man, so there's more than just taking vital signs and bringing somebody to the ER. There's more to this than that. (laughs) Right. I mean, there is so much more. There is so much more. And honestly, I think that if we were to look closer I mean, there, who knows, who knows what we would find if, if we started really looking at where the gaps in the system are, what would we see? And there are so many, and that's why we have to have conversations like the one we're having where we talk about that and we try to, in our, what we can do in our ability to teach other people like hey there's more to this than what you're seeing and there's gonna be more to this than what you're seeing because we're changing things now and the change that we do even if it's like even if it's a small ripple in the pond it's going to create something bigger than ourselves yep yep i agree completely i mean we have no idea how far reaching the impacts are but i can tell you they they are are tremendous and that's why it's so important that we are brave enough to at least try and to explore options and to look at opportunities and and not settle for the status quo because that is how we help people 100 percent um well dr purdy i don't have anything else is there anything else you want to add for a closing note or anything like that Well, I may say, because I know a lot of your listeners are in the EMS community, and I I spend a lot of time talking to entrepreneurs and co-founders and things like that. And and so if 
if you feel like you're listening to this and that is you, and if you have a business idea that you want to get off the ground, um, I do a lot of consulting. I mean, that's one of the main things I do is start and scale businesses for novel delivery solutions for healthcare. So I would love it. I would love to talk to you about your idea to help you and mentor you and give you kind of a like a safe place to bounce those ideas off um, judgment free. And so feel free to feel free to reach out. I mean, you know, you can share my information in the in the show notes, but I'd love to chat. I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for your insight and wisdom. And you were just, I'm a personal fan. You're an incredible person. (laughs) Alexis, that's a two way street. And I say the same thing to all of our emergency medical personnel. Like we can't do it without you. You, okay. If I could just, okay, one more, one more thing I got to say. Um, and I'm going to try not to get emotional when I do it, but my, my son had really bad croup. Um, maybe a month ago now, I've lost track of the time so bad that as a doctor and a mother of four, I, and he's the baby. Okay. I was terrified out of my skin for the respiratory distress that I was seeing in my baby. Okay. And I mean, it was actually so bad that we went to a hospital and then got transferred to a bigger hospital. Like it was really bad croup and the care and the compassion that that we were shown by two crews. Um, and I never tell people who I am. I never tell people what I do. I don't want to be weird. It doesn't even matter because in that situation, I'm a mom, you know. So I don't, nobody ever has any idea who I am. And if you happen to be listening to this and you're one of the guy or the gal, like you guys did incredible. I can't even remember their names because I was beside myself. But, but the care and the compassion and the love and the intention, attention that was given to my son and they had a box of toys and they were just so sympathetic. I mean, I, I will forever have so much love um, for the EMS community on such a personal level because of the care that I have personally received. Um, and so has my, my children, my child in this instance. And I'm just very, very grateful for who you all are and what you do. You're entirely too kind. Um, it's all part of the job. And I'm sure you say the same thing. It is, and it's not, okay, I say that it's part of the job. It's part of why we get into the job. And I'm sure you can relate on this too. Like it's, we don't sign up for this for the paycheck, obviously. We don't sign up for it because it seems like something cool we can do. We sign up for this. And like we talked about, because people need something. People need either medical attention or something to advocate for. Maybe they just need a hand to hold. Or if we're not, if this is a system you work in, either you run 911 calls or you also do like those interfacility transfers. And both of them deserve just as much care and compassion. Both of those deserve just as much attention to the vital signs and to the presentation of the patient. So, Dr. Purdy, if you could tell the listeners, how can people find you? <laughs> In a few different places. I'm kind of all over the Internet. If you start looking, it's 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 still kind of mind blowing how much is out there. But I am on Instagram at America's Favorite Doctor. It's all spelled out. And then I do have a website, too, which maybe someday 
will be completed. Um, it's a doctor, drlaraperdy.com. If you want to become a patient of mine, that's, that's how you do it. It's all, the link is also in my Instagram bio. I also have a LinkedIn. You can find me there too. Um, or you can text me. Sometimes I hand out my phone number, 910-644-8373. People text me all the time about business ideas or just to connect. And, and I love that. So y'all are, y'all are all welcome to do that as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, for my listeners, thank you for listening in to another episode of 22 at the Lips podcast. And this has been awesome. I'm super excited for the future. And with that. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or future topic ideas, please email me at 22 at the Lips podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's 22 at the lips podcast at gmail.com. Be safe out there, friends, and never stop learning.